We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However... When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. And welcome to the November 5th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at AmITheRealBlair, and my co host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, what's up? Hey, Blair, what's going on? Um, you know, uh, by now, I guess uh, if you're familiar with how this goes, uh, it was Sunday and uh, the NFL <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, and we wish it that it had gone differently, I guess, for many of our teams, at least for many of my teams. But it's all good. We got a lot of news to discuss today, and I'm really excited to be discussing it with our guest. Joining us on the show is Sean Slavin. Sean is a contributor to 2QBs and Rotoviz. Additionally, Sean is a 2QB consultant for Draft Day Consultants. You can follow him on Twitter at Slavin22. Sean, thanks for joining us. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to talk some football. Absolutely. Yeah, let's uh, get right into the news. First item up, Duke Johnson caught all nine of his targets for 78 yards and two touchdowns while rushing once for eight yards in Sunday's Week 9 loss to the Chiefs. So, Sean, with Freddie Kitchens taking over the OC role in the wake of Todd Haley's firing, Duke Johnson saw his heaviest usage, and he led all Browns receivers in targets and yards. Uh, But do you think that this trend will continue going forward? I wouldn't say I expect. Duke Johnson to lead the Browns in targets and yards every week, but um, we can at least reset our outlook to something closer to the preseason when we're waiting for this breakout from this 
athletic guy who we know has games like this in him. Um, it's nice to see him being utilized like this, especially given the lack of receiver depth behind Jarvis Landry and David Njoku. So um, it definitely makes us more comfortable firing up Duke Johnson in a flex. And I think he still has the upside to be an RB2 given this type of usage. Yeah, and that kind of said is, is, is pretty interesting because uh, it looked like Duke Johnson was actually more more or less Baker Mayfield's uh, safety valve in this game, uh, you know, which is something that he's been sorely lacking uh, bef- when Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley were uh, in around with uh, Cleveland. So I got a question for you, Sean. Like, what are your thoughts here on Baker's... Ma- I know you've done a lot of terrific work actually on rookie quarterbacks and rookie quarterback, but you know, career arcs and so on. And I know that Baker Mayfield is one of the best prospects that we've seen in a long time. So I got a question is like, how do you see the rest of the season playing out? What do you think Cleveland needs to do for him? You know, just to make sure that he gets comfortable over the next few weeks. Like what are your thoughts on how they should go about with like helping Baker Mayfield? So, yeah, I love Baker Mayfield as a prospect and you know, the, his rookie season, hasn't been great but I mean we've seen a lot of good things from from him his accuracy all world accuracy in college is definitely translating to the pros and he can make plays happen on the fly but it's it's tough being a rookie quarterback with um without a great set of weapons but he, he definitely has some talent to work with and I think what um Freddie Kitchens and his new role could do is really focus on Jarvis Landry, Njoku, and Duke Johnson. Um, A big part of the Rams' success is just how much they focus on their talented, their four top talents, the three wide receivers and Gurley, and they just, they scheme everything around those guys. They don't take them out of the game, and they're not throwing the ball to Josh Reynolds unless they have to when someone goes down. And I mean, (laughs) they're lucky enough to still get two touchdowns out of him last week. But I I think it's a simple thing, but if you just try and focus on your top talents and just scheme them towards them, I think Mayfield will definitely have an easier job rather than Antonio Callaway. I mean, there's definitely some talent there, but when you're, racking up targets to the likes of Callaway and Ratley and guys like that. It's just it's just not optimal for a for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, so today we saw I mean obviously Duke Johnson led in targets. Landry only had seven. I think it's maybe the lowest number of targets he's seen all season. Um they were kind of trying to spread the ball around. I mean Higgins had four, Ratley had four. Brashad Perryman actually had six targets. Um, you know, <laughs> hardly even knew he was on the Browns. Um, so, I mean, do you see much hope of them trying to focus uh, the target shares under Freddie Kitchens? Is the game today maybe a sign that they won't do that, or should we not read too much into it? Um, it it's tough to say. I mean, like you said, they they did, despite giving Johnson more targets than he's been seeing, it, it was still pretty... Um, spread out and especially Njoku got five targets today which was modest but um after his first couple months of just getting heavy usage for the tight end only five targets 
over the last two games is pretty disappointing. So I think you have a good point that maybe we we can't expect them just to just to focus their their pass game into a few guys. But see next week, huh? Matthew Stafford completed 25 of 36 passes for 199 scoreless yards in the Lions' 24-9 Week 9 loss to the Vikings. Sean, uh, we got our first look at the Lions' offense without Golden Tate, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, Stafford took a career-high 10 sacks in this game. He lost a fumble on a very you know, bad play. Do you expect this offense to bounce back next week? That's tough to say. I mean, Tate was definitely a catalyst for this offense. What he can do after the catch is almost unrivaled across the league, but they still do have a lot of talent on the team. I mean, Marvin Jones is not the most consistent receiver, but he's got a lot of talent and seeing good things from Galladay. Theo Riddick isn't, you know, most explosive player, but he's solid and he's back now. Um, Today was rough for Stafford with all those sacks, but it was definitely the, offensive line's worst day of the season by far and hopefully we can just chalk this up to to neil hunter everson griffin and sheldon richardson just balling out all in the same day um i'd definitely be worried about stafford you know it this is <laughs> this season has been a bit of a step back but um i still think you can count on him in good matchups and um even in some negative game script he he can throw 50 passes and get a few touchdowns. So he's, he's still a streaming type in a one quarterback league and a solid option and super flex or two QB. Yeah, I guess it's possible that, you know, Tate was actually uh, kind of masking the problems that this offensive line might've had just with his ability to, you know, convert on short targets and kind of run routes close to the line where you can, you know, Stafford can get the ball out quickly. Um, that's kind of uh, narrative. I don't know how, you know, if, whether that's true, but I mean, just the stark difference between, you know, what the Lions were doing earlier in the season and what we saw today uh, just makes me think they're, you know, maybe they're missing Golden Tate more than they thought. I mean, yeah, Riddick with eight targets, I guess they're maybe trying to replace some of what Tate does with, with Riddick, but... Um, I think the biggest disappointment for me today was that Galladay only got four targets. Uh, do you think the volume we saw from him earlier in the season is kind of, um, should we not expect that anymore? I mean, the last uh, three games, I think he's been, you know, I can't even remember, like two targets in one game, one target in another game or something. So it's been uh, pretty disappointing just from a volume standpoint. Is that... Um, something we should expect more of going forward, or do you think he'll get back to the volume we saw earlier? Um, I, I mean, there's definitely a clear path to those targets with Tate out, but like you said, it's disappointing that it didn't happen on day one with him gone. Um, I think something like six to seven targets as a baseline isn't what owners are hoping for, but... Um, if he can be around there every week and get a few bunched in with 10, um, maybe some days Marvin Jones is a clear target leader. Some days Galladay is, but I think that's how this offense has been over the last couple of years. Um, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones have ended up with similar 
raw target totals over the years. Um, but on any given day, one of them can be featured over the other. And that's what we might be seeing from Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay going forward. Yeah, I was actually just looking into this. It looks like Riddick kind of uh, slotted in a little bit where like they had just taking over what Tate used to do. Really, what's kind of surprising to me is just the lack of volume here. I mean, this is a squad that trailed by 17 points and never really threatened. I mean, they, they were trailing 17-6 at the half. They never really threatened to do anything more than just sort of lose. And I think really this entire squad and really the coaching staff needs to take a very long hit it, look at itself because um, the the final three points they scored came in the fourth quarter with a minute left to play on fourth down where they didn't even go for it. They just opted to kick a field goal despite being down you know, by multiple scores. I mean, this is a team that plays this glacial pace for some for like unknown reason, and they're just like not interested in winning games. It's really weird. All right, before we get into no shit, shit, no, here's a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. And speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools for the rest of the season. You get amazing value. You help support the pod. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. All right, now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item up, Alex Smith completed 30 of 46 passes for 306 yards, one touchdown, and one interception in Washington's Week 9 loss to Atlanta. So I'm going to say shit, no on the overall volume, but... Uh, kind of no shit on the on the touchdown total and what we've seen from him i mean last year is looking like a blip over his career rather than the norm and we're back to seeing game manager alex smith i mean even in a win against the giants last week he had less than 200 passing yards um i think the falcons um just their decimated pass defense and the fact that they were up by so much it makes sense that Smith threw for 46 passes, but I do not see him getting close to that going forward. Um, around, if, if you can get 250 yards and two touchdowns out of him, you should be really happy. But something closer to last week's effort is uh, what we'd expect. Nathan Peterman completed 31 of 49 passes for 189 yards and three interceptions in the Bills' Week 9 loss to the Bears. No shit. <laughs> it, it's tough to just expect someone to come in and throw three interceptions and no touchdowns, but um, that's what it's looking like for Nathan Peterman's career. Let me reframe uh, the question just a little bit. Uh, I know like, we were just talking a little bit about rookie quarterbacks at the top of the show, and out of curiosity, what do the Bills have to do to, to ensure that they can at least judge Josh Allen fairly? <laughs> that's a tough question just because they're they are completely bare when it comes to receiving talent um i mean their defense is actually surprisingly good but it's still they just they just get into bad situations of having to throw the ball 
all the time with with no talent there and they can't even use shady to his potential so um i think you just kind of have to throw josh allen back in there when he's healthy and just hope to see him making plays you know um he has that big arm which he's been able to use and um he can scramble he it's one of his stronger um skills but just kind of be happy with him making plays and just hope a little bit more consistency consistency comes with it. And um, I think the biggest thing is just going to be next year, just focusing on getting him more protection and another weapon or two and seeing if he can get a big jump and improvement in year two. Adam Thielen caught four of seven targets for 22 yards and one touchdown in the Vikings 24 to nine week nine win over the Lions. Shit, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone expected him to only get 22 yards, seven targets, four catches, anything that low with digs out in a spot like this. Um, I mean, Cousins only had to throw the ball 22 times, and <laughs> so it was still a decent target share for Thielen, above 30%, I think. But um, I think even with the touchdown, Owners are disappointed this week. And even if Diggs is back, Thielen's weekly 10 targets and 100 yards should come back with it. Patrick Mahomes completed 23 of 32 passes for 375 yards with three touchdowns and one interception in Sunday's Week 9 win over the Browns. No shit. The, The guy is incredible. And I mean, what they are doing with that offense is is just as incredible. And Sometimes it's hard to parse out um, the quarterback from the system. I mean, look at Baker Mayfield in college with Lincoln Riley or Patrick Mahomes with Texas Tech. But at some point, it's as fantasy owners, who cares whether it's the system or the quarterback? They're both great. Um, I don't care which one is the bigger influence. Big things are should be expected every week from Mahomes. Julio Jones caught 7 of 10 targets for 121 yards and a touchdown in the Falcons' Week 9 win over the Redskins. No shit again. Um, I've been on the Julio Jones train, you know, forever. And, I mean, it's an easy train to be on for the most part, especially if you uh, fade touchdown rates (laughs) to an extent in your analysis. But um, all offseason, I was, you know... I was the old man yelling at a cloud that Julio Jones is actually one of the most consistent players in the NFL or fantasy football. And most of that is because you can dial him up for double-digit targets. And, I mean, the worst he's going to get is 50 yards. And, you know, the touchdowns will come when he's getting that many yards. If It finally came after 900 yards on the season, but, I mean... This is not going to be his only touchdown this month. He's he's going to keep crushing it, and touchdowns will follow. James Conner delivered 107 yards on 24 carries, and he added seven catches for 56 yards and a touchdown on nine targets in Pittsburgh's Week 9 win over the Ravens. No shit. I mean, the Ravens' defense is nothing to sneeze at, but we've seen it for, for years now. Whether you plug in one of the best running backs in the league or an aging running back in D'Angelo Williams or a young, unproven talent like James Conner, 
it's going to be great things for the offense and for fantasy, especially when he's used in the passing game like that. Nine targets and 24 carries, that's what we're hoping out of any running back, whether it's Todd Gurley or Saquon Barkley, anyone. And he he deserves to be up in that tier right now. I mean, when Bell comes back, if he comes back, <laughs> I mean, who knows? But until then, he's he's right up in the top tier. Tevin Coleman rushed 13 times for 88 yards and caught five of seven targets for 68 yards and two touchdowns in the Falcons' Week 9 win over Washington. I'm going to say shit no on this one. I love to see it as someone who's a, probably can be described as a Tevin Coleman truther, but he has not looked as explosive this year as he has in the past. And... Um, 150 yards and two touchdowns is nice, but I think next week we can go back to, you know, if you're struggling at the running back position, you can you can slot him into your RB2 or even your flex and, and be fine with it. But if you're stacked at running back, there's no reason to think that he's a must start just because of this. Yeah, one of the most frustrating things about owning Tevin Coleman almost everywhere like I do is that uh, the Falcons just don't seem to use him in the passing game. Sarkeesian doesn't draw plays for him to be targeted. I mean, today he was targeted seven times, and obviously, you know, he was awesome. So do you think this is kind of a maybe a signal that things are trending in the right direction, or is this more of a an aberration? Um, I think it's definitely a good sign, and maybe he gets more um, consistently used in the passing game. I mean... Most coaches in the NFL are hindsight based and you see him, you know, take two targets to the house. I mean, why not dial him up again next week? But um, it, so I think it's definitely a good sign that he was able to do this. But just we can't expect him to be a top 20 running back every week. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, Sarkeesian probably has a road of his uh, NFL account because like the buy low machine just loved this matchup against Washington from a PPR perspective. And uh, I, I looked at the machine and I was I, I couldn't bring myself to like start Devin Coleman in leagues where I was forced into it. And I have paying the price everywhere. Mike Evans got just one of 10 targets uh, for 16 yards in the Bucks' week nine loss to the Panthers. Um. Shit, no. That's an easy one. I mean, the targets are a no shit. He, he's been a target monster ever since he's been in the league. And it, it doesn't really matter if he has a ton of weapons around him, which he does now. He is just such a force in the like 12 to 20 yard depth target area that it's just whether it's Jameis Winston or Fitzpatrick, it's hard not to dial him up just consistently. And I mean, catching one of those passes today hurts, especially just he's been crushing it this year in both the target capacity and efficiency wise. So, um, you know, you, you take some bad variants and you, you go back. And I, I think if the Evans owner, you know, is frustrated. Maybe you send out something, but I think he's been good enough before this that it might even be hard to buy low off of just one week. Willie Sneed came down with seven catches for 58 yards on eight targets Sunday in the Ravens' week nine loss to Pittsburgh. No shit. Um, Sneed, Crabtree, 
and John Brown have all had some high target totals over the course of the year, and it's kind of been hard to trust any of them to repeat it because it seems like two of them will get seven to ten targets and one of them might get phased out, but Snead has been more and more involved in the offense every week, and I mean, getting eight targets again is nice. I mean, hopefully, you hope he gets a touchdown in there, but 12.8 PPR points, you know, and against the Steelers, I mean, that's that's fine, but if he adds a touchdown to that, that's a great day. So that's what you hope for next week. Curtis Samuel got two of four targets for 25 yards and a touchdown in the Panthers' Week 9 win over the Bucks. He also added a 33-yard rushing touchdown. Shit no on the um, <laughs> two touchdowns and only a handful of of uh, touches, but the usage is not surprising to me. On the other hand, he can be electric and he can score from anywhere on the field, but the Panthers just don't seem to want to involve him heavily. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of games where they're only throwing 25 passes. So, and with Funchess, you know, and Greg Olson eating up a lot of those targets, plus Christian McCaffrey, it, it's hard to manufacture touches for Curtis Samuel, Samuel. So they have to do it in more screens and reverses and things like that. And, yeah, it's nice that he turned two of those into touchdowns, but there's no way you can trust him plugging him into your lineup. The one guy you didn't mention is someone I think that everyone was expecting a lot more from today, and that was DJ Moore, of course, who only got two targets uh, after kind of breaking out last week. Um, do you think we should kind of expect his usage to be lower like this or – expect more kind of spike weeks and then back down to doing almost nothing or are you expecting a true breakout anytime soon for him um i mean we shouldn't expect this low of usage but considering last week six targets was the most he'd gotten it's hard to just expect more than that just because he looked really good last week um i mean his usage was definitely ticking up each week but over the past four games before this one, he was averaging five targets, and that was his best stretch of the season. So I think that's still a solid baseline, and Torrey Smith being out, you know, should have opened him up for more, but low passing volume kind of hurt him today. And But that that's a risk when you have the Panthers who are just – they get up early a lot, and and they like to just play the read option or and just grind games out with that. So I, th- I think you hope that DJ Moore gets more usage next week, and if he does, maybe that's a signal that he really is being featured and this week was a blip. But um, I think we just have another week of wait and see, but it was definitely a disappointing week for, for Dynasty owners especially. Anthony Miller caught five of six targets for 49 yards in the Bears' Week 9 win over the Bills. I'm going to say no shit, but maybe not for the reason you're expecting. I mean, six targets and 49 yards was actually a solid uh, market share of the offense today. And 
The Bears, I mean, there's been a couple games where Trubisky has had to throw it up 40, 50 times, but the way their defense is playing when it's clicking and, you know, um, and with Robinson out and them just wanting to pound the ball with Howard, I mean, we might have to live with a low-volume passing offense and, and Miller just hasn't done enough to, you know, kind of, outshine that it's it's nice to see him get six targets but once Allen robinson is back he's going to eat into that and i don't think you can trust anthony miller in any lineups todd Gurley rushed 13 times for 68 yards in a touchdown he also hauled in six of seven targets for 11 yards in the rams week nine loss to the saints <laughs> shit no um only 13 rushes for Gurley. i mean they were down 35 to 14 at one point and they were playing catch up. And I mean, he got seven targets, which is nice, but considering how they had to go in, in pass mode, you would expect that to be even higher despite him being a running back, but they, they really had to force the ball downfield. And I mean, you, you just can't expect the Rams to be in that position on a week to week basis. Uh, I think he still scraped out a nice day. I mean, 20, targets and carries behind is <laughs> still nice on a bad day so Todd Gurley the RB1 lock and load so let me ask you this question what do you think it does to his MVP candidacy oh I think this can hurt his MVP candidacy just saying you can't just lean on a running back and beat a great team like the Saints you know it's nice that Gurley puts up seemingly 150 to 200 total yards and two touchdowns on a week-to-week basis. But the fact that when they get down early and they have to go away from him shows you that he's if he's not <laughs> valuable enough to be heavily featured while down, how can he be an MVP? Michael Thomas hauled in 12 of 15 targets for 211 yards and a touchdown in the Saints' Week 9 win over the Rams. No shit. Um, Michael Thomas is a beast. I mean, he's just, he has the physical tools to beat almost any matchup. Uh, his size and route running ability is just, <laughs> he's up there in that regard. And I mean, the last few weeks, is, his target totals have been a little disappointing compared to the first month, but um, it does not surprise me that. He's right back up here. I mean, 15 targets is is a lot, but just right around 10 is something we can expect every week, even if it's not for 200 yards. Jeff Hureman, or Hireman, however you pronounce it, hauled in 10 catches for 83 yards and a score on a team-high 11 targets in the Broncos' Week 9 defeat to the Texans. No shit, actually. Um, he's been featured more and more throughout the season, and I think... Demarius Thomas being out, um, I think we all wanted to see Corton Sutland just, you know, kind of eat up all of those targets that we're leaving with DT, but um, it makes sense just where Hoyerman is, you know, winning on the field and getting targets that he would he would take some of those in. Um, Ten catches is a lot, but, and maybe we Still expect him to fall down in the six to seven target range. Maybe a game he has four. Maybe another one is closer to this. But 
in a weak year for tight ends. Um, streaming him is is fine, and unless he has a terrible matchup, because after the top five to eight tight ends, it gets rough out there, and um, he might be a significant part of this offense going forward. Keenan Allen caught six of ten targets for 124 yards in the Chargers' Week 9 win over the Seahawks, adding two rushes for 28 additional yards. No shit. I mean, Keenan Allen falls right in that Michael Thomas bucket of just you You kind of feel, you know, really frustrated when you see him get five targets in a game. And I think the, the Chargers have, you know, have been winning. So there's no reason to go back to the tape and say, you know, how can, how can we turn this thing around? Let's get more touches to Allen. But they still did it anyway. I think maybe they did a little bit of self-scouting. In the last couple of weeks, they've been uh, ma- manufacturing more touches, um, like the rushes he got and some of those screen passes. So I, I think the Chargers kind of pinched themselves and said, you know, even though Melvin Gordon is tearing it up when he's healthy, um, and Mike Williams just keeps feasting on the deep ball. Yeah, even if it's inconsistent, I think they need to lean on their top talent and Keenan Allen. And this is a great sign. Dalvin Cook rushed ten times for eighty-nine yards, and he caught all four of his targets for twenty yards in the Vikings' Week Nine win over the Lions. I'm gonna say shit no for the efficiency in the run game, but um, it was definitely nice to see for owners to see him come back and even if he was on a pitch count to see him put in work and get over a hundred yards and you know hopefully he can come back fully healthy in a in a week or two and um the four targets modest but considering the pitch count is a great sign because early in the season he was getting a lot more routes run and, and targets than we had seen last year So in the small sample. So I, th- I think if he gets healthy and stays healthy, he can be one of those few workhorse running backs who's you know, getting upwards of 20 carries a game and being featured in the passing game. Mike Davis rushed 15 times for 62 yards and caught 7 of 8 targets for 45 yards in the Seahawks' Week 9 loss to the Chargers. Shit, no. <laughs> the, I mean, the 15 rushes for 60 yards doesn't surprise me considering Carson was banged up, and it seemed like um, after a few early carries, they, they pulled Carson out of the game. I don't know if it was total or if, if they – I don't know if he got a few snaps in, but um, that doesn't surprise me. But eight targets for Mike Davis is definitely – um surprising and i think it has to go with russell wilson running around for his life and just getting the ball to whoever is close enough but um there's no way we can expect even more than three or so targets for mike davis on a week-to-week basis yeah i mean i've ranted about this before but like it's really frustrating watching russell wilson run around uh for his life when their first round draft pick is like not even playing high leverage, getting high leverage touches, he's just basically burning space on the bench behind a seventh rounder and a street free agent. While you know the Giants were able to get a very solid rookie guard in Will Hernandez in the early second, 
So, uh, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, like the whole Rashad Penny draft pick at the first has just been such a disappointment, massive bust uh, situation that, you know, it's a bit difficult as a dynasty owner. For sure. <laughs> I don't know if you own any Doug Baldwin anywhere. I don't own a whole lot, but I think Hassan has, like, owns more yeah. than anyone else in the whole industry. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing with Baldwin? I'm crying every time I have to start him. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, like today, it's just I, I legitimately had to Google like was he was he out because I think it was halfway through the first half, somewhere th- like midway through the second quarter, and I was like, has he even been targeted? And uh, and I looked it up and he he hadn't, but not because he wasn't on the field. It was because this team for some reason is so dedicated to like reaching thirty rush attempts that like they're tripping over themselves to get to some sort of imaginary threshold so they run in and then they they'll win it seems to be this weird backwards logic that they're you know deploying out in Seattle which is fantastic because you know it's been a you know i mean like realistically like you could see this entire plan backfire because they marched the ball down the field in the on the final drive of the game and they had to convert a touchdown, which they didn't. But had they actually converted that touchdown, time had run out. They would have not had a chance to run a run a play for a two point conversion. Like they, these guys just bled their own clock, and the Chargers were more than happy to do it. They, they just let them <laughs> hang themselves, you know, with their own with the uh, with the rope of their own design. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard us talking about this for a few weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. You, if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a lot, uh, bet a little and win a lot, actually, uh, like playing the numbers in roulette, you can create a big parlay. You pick three teams to win, you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on, football, basketball, hockey, and much more. MyBookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My, my bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. Make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter or Instagram. They personally respond to every mention and DM, and they've been giving away, you know, they've given away almost ten thousand dollars in free money to their followers for this over the course of this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Log on to MyBookie right now. Don't miss out on your opportunity to collect the industry's largest bonus. Use promo code ROTOVIZ and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code ROTOVIZ. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, moving on to news item number three. Demarius Thomas caught all three of his targets for 61 yards, while Cortland Sutton caught three of his five targets for 57 yards. So, Sean, we got a quick peek at how both of Thomas and Sutton will be deployed by their respective offenses. Uh, what kind of impact do you think these guys might have for the rest of the season? Um, I mean, DT, it was a, it was a really exciting start for owners that either, you know, held, held strong through the struggles this season or maybe bought low on him with all three of his catches and 61 yards coming in the first quarter. And it just seemed like, you know, this guy still has it. DeAndre Hopkins is on the other side. Watson is going to do big things with this guy. And then all of a sudden he doesn't get a target the rest of the game. So um, it's definitely cloudy debut for DT, but um, it was a low volume 
uh, passing effort for the Texans, which it seems like Watson is either throwing the ball 22 times or 50 times in a game. So maybe it comes down to DeAndre Hopkins is going to get 10 to 15 targets no matter what. It's either going to be a 50% target share or a 30% target share. Um, but in those in those weeks where if we can predict that they'll be in a more negative game script, we can lean on DT a little bit more um, and hopefully it gets closer to eight targets. Um, and, but, I mean, it's tough to start anyone who has a floor of three targets, but wide receivers um, with in-season trades often struggle, especially in the beginning. And the fact that he had a early rapport with – Watson, I think, is encouraging overall. Um, what do you guys have to say about Thomas? I was kind of... Uh, I wasn't getting a lot of Thomas in the offseason. I didn't draft him a ton. Um, so I don't actually own that much. It's definitely encouraging to see kind of the the fast start. And I think, like you said, a lot of... A lot of the sort of lack of targets he got the rest of the game can kind of be chalked up to the the lack of volume. Um, I guess my one concern with Thomas going forward is that he will see his role shrink a little bit when Kiki QT is fully healthy again. Um, You know, when he comes back, is he going to start commanding a lot more targets closer to the line of scrimmage, for instance, like he was uh, for those few weeks early in the season? So... um, you know, that's my only real hesitation with Thomas. I mean, you know, you'd like to see him definitely get more than three targets, but I think first game after you come in, you know, basically with less than a week to kind of figure out what you're doing, I think that's pretty encouraging. I think it's kind of exciting that Thomas is not playing with, like, the best quarterback he's played with since, uh, you know, pre-spinal fusion Peyton Manning, right? Like, uh, like really, if he still got any athleticism left in his body, uh, you know, I, I feel like Watson would be the kind of guy who can hit him on target in, you know, in stride and let him make plays, let him like roll up yak. He doesn't have to really run uh, as a polished route runner. He doesn't. He's really not the alpha on this offense. You know, I wonder how much did he really feel like uh, he was, uh, you know, superior to actually better than Sanders. And then he was kind of getting phased out in Denver. He wasn't getting the kind of routes he used to run. They were kind of giving that to Gordon Sutton. So I wonder if, like, you know, Thomas is um, aware that he's got to sort of make a bit of a noise down the stretch here, especially because, you know, he's on an expiring deal. He's not, I mean, you know, if he wants to get one more payday and when he hits free agency, this is probably his best chance, especially playing with Watson. And it also behooves the uh, Houston coaching staff to kind of make sure that they're running plays that it's very easy for him to get his timing down with Watson on, you know, like uh, he doesn't have to run complex routes or whatever. Like he just like, as long as Watson's able to hit him in space, uh, let, let him do the natural, you know, the rest of the, take the, take the ball the rest of the way. I didn't have a chance to see the game, but you know, so I'm just sort of speculating. So I'm kind of interested to see how this shakes out uh, going forward. Great. And then uh, Cortland Sutton, um, five targets was modest. I mean, we definitely wanted to see that jump. Uh, like I said before, a lot of those went to Hireman instead today, but I, I think that can be chalked up to just, um, 
Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt kind of terrorizing Case Keenum and making him get the ball out early. Um, 18 of Case Keenum's attempts went to Hireman or uh, the running backs for a total of 10 air yards on those 18 targets. So he had to get the ball out really quick today. And Cortland Sutton is the deep threat for the most part. He came in with an dot of 14, and today it was 13 and change. So we saw really similar usage as far as area of the field. Um, and he did well on those targets, but I think what we want to see going forward is him taking some of those DT targets closer, a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage and adding that to the deep threat. Cause when you're only getting deep targets, it, it's hard to be consistent. So um, maybe all those screens that were going to Demarius Thomas still go to Manny Sanders. But I, I think if you get the ball to Sutton quick, he, he still can create in space. So um, I hope the Broncos don't just see him as a deep threat. And I think if they did, they wouldn't have shipped Demarius Thomas to Houston. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, definitely are viewing Sutton as a more versatile player than just a deep threat or just what we saw today. Um, he's someone I've kind of been expecting to have like a breakout week the <laughs> whole season. And then he finally has what looks like a really good opportunity and uh, doesn't doesn't get the targets, doesn't do much. Um, are you, it sounds like you're not worried at all about Sutton rest of season going forward just from this game. Um, who would you rather have rest of season between Sutton and DT? Oh, that's a good question. And I I think, um, if Kiki QT wasn't in the picture, um, I might lean DT. He's more proven and, uh, Watson has, even though it's regressed a little bit from last year, he's still a high-efficiency thrower, um, especially compared to Case Keenum. Uh, but I think we can trust Sutton to be a little bit higher on the usage tree week to week, and volume is king. Russell Wilson completed 26 of 39 passes for 235 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception in the Seahawks' 25-17 Week 9 loss to the Chargers. Today marks the first time since week two that Wilson had more than 30 attempts. Uh, Sean, given that the Seahawks are committed to running the football, what are your expectations for Russell Wilson's fantasy prospects going forward? It's been a tough year for anyone owning him. I mean, he's one of the guys we've been able to lock in to five, uh, to a top five quarterback year to year. And But until last year, we had never seen him do it purely because of volume. It was always because of efficiency and rushing production. And um, for most of the year, none of those three things have really been there week to week. Um, And so you hope that he gets a couple more games with 30-plus targets. But given Doug Baldwin's not at 100%, and, I mean, Tyler Lockett is talented, but he – He's closer to a one-trick pony than, you know, what a Doug Baldwin at 100% gives you. So, I mean, they're, they're still giving a lot of targets to some some less talented folks, and we can't rely on the efficiency, and the rushing work has not been there. There's been reports that he's been playing through 
a hamstring injury and maybe that's what's limiting him but you hope that he gets 30 attempts and I mean he can he can get three touchdowns on 25 attempts like he did last week but he's not as rock solid as he was the last few years and that doesn't mean he's unusable he's still a nice quarterback but he you can't just dial him up every week in a one quarterback league yeah one of the kind of narratives surrounding wilson's been kind of a weird one is that he is like a he starts every season slow and he picks up you know the pace in the second half and starts to kind of be the the wilson we all remember because we remember the second half of the season better or something um and it looked like that might be the case you know just his last three games i guess he had uh three touchdowns in each of them before this one um so <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe there's something to that um obviously today he wasn't that much worse still two touchdowns and uh almost 20 fantasy points so you know, it's the kind of day I guess you'll take if you if you started Wilson. It's like it won't kill you. Uh, you obviously want to see more. I mean, one thing, he did have 41 rushing yards, which is the most he's had all season. I think it's only the second time he's had more than 20, in fact. Um, so that's kind of encouraging to see him rushing the ball more. Do you think that's something we can expect to continue going forward, him uh, getting more rushing work? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I I missed that one, and that's that's definitely encouraging. I mean, I think if he's if his hamstrings back to being healthy, um, I, I don't think he'd be running for sixty yards if it wasn't. It seems like whenever he's been a little banged up, they just they still like him to use his legs to manufacture some some plays back there, but they kind of it looks like they just tell him don't cross the line of scrimmage. <laughs> but so to see him do that today, maybe, maybe we'll see a little bit more of 2016, 2017, Russell Wilson. And I mean, if, if, if the high efficiency, a uh, high touchdown rate continues, especially on his like few targets to Tyler Lockett, that it seems like every third ball that goes his way is the touchdown. I mean, Maybe he is closer to what we should expect, but it, it just and maybe the numbers are closer than what I remember. But just watching him play hasn't seemed like vintage Russell Wilson. But last couple of weeks, he, he he has gotten the job done. Please, for the love of God, just just revive Doug Baldwin for the latter half of the year. I'll never draft him again. Just get me out of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, what would you accept in a trade for Doug Baldwin if you're trying to move him off your teams, Hassan? Uh, genuinely, I don't know for Dynasty. I don't know how much you'd actually give, right? Because uh, Doug Baldwin, from a Dynasty perspective, he might just be done. Oh, yeah. You couldn't pay me to take Baldwin in Dynasty. Right, yeah. Like, like you'd probably, like, I'd probably have to actually give up a good asset to, to move him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in redraft, I also just don't know. He just hasn't been useful. You know what I mean? Like he just hasn't been particularly good. And we're coming up on the trade deadline now, and I have no idea what to do. I think he should be fine next week because they face the Rams. And realistically, if the Seahawks try to do today, uh, try try to do against the Rams what they did against the Chargers today, they're gonna get vastly humiliated. 
like like this is a squad that's going to absolutely like score a touchdown per drive and be completely content with watching them go three and out. I mean, like this is an offense that uh, it seems to behave as if like the forward pass was invented last year. Uh, they go, uh, they go run, run, pass, punt, and that's pretty much their game plan. Yeah, not good. Uh... Yeah, so, so I don't know what like what can you like legitimately move him for. Um, just earlier today, I actually made a trade where I sent Demarius Thomas for Amari Cooper, so that was kind of lucky. But I guess Amari would be the guy you're kind of like targeting here, right? Like if you're a frustrated Doug Baldwin owner, then you're targeting guys who are also equally talented with their wide receiver talent, and you're just swapping wideouts. Uh, and the reason you want to target Amari over someone like Doug is because uh, the Bilo machine actually has, you know, a very favorable schedule for uh, Dallas wide receivers. So you just got to take a leap of faith that a wide receiver changing team is going to get the kind of usage that you hope he gets. And uh, it's a very big leap of faith to take because we've seen that Dallas Cowboys is coaching staff. And I, I don't know if they've got like two brain cells to rub between the a lot of them. <laughs> Yes, I don't hate that move trying to get Amari Cooper. I'm wondering if I own Amari Cooper, am I selling him for Baldwin? And maybe, maybe just the uncertainty of uh, his situation in Dallas would be enough. But uh, yeah, hard to make trades for these guys at the moment. Hard to know exactly how to evaluate them. Yeah, it seems like it'd just be hard to find a buyer at like, especially in Dynasty. I mean, mm-hmm. Doug Baldwin, a veteran wide receiver, you think you know look towards you know a contender who's pushing his chips in for this year and maybe next year but if you can't plug him in right right now and trust him why does a contender want him so if you're a dynasty owner i think you might just have to hold and just maybe if he gets a 10 12 target game and maybe you sell him to a contender but besides that just hold out hope and and see if he gets healthy next year and you know you can recoup some of that value is now maybe the time to buy low on baldwin (sighs) that's a tough one because baldwin's got like the name brand attached to him right and so like Mm -hmm. like 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 baldwin owners are that's that's really what like like genuinely is kind of what drives his valuation what makes him a tough one to figure out how to value right because like you're not just giving up on a wide receiver, you're giving up on Doug Baldwin and don't know what to make of that. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report. Special thanks to our guest, Sean Slavin. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Slavin 22. Please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon for Hassan Rahim. I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.
Ready, set, save California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F 150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So, ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September. Third. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th. Only on Showtime. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 